Welcome back to Ascends Through the Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we're in Acts chapter 18. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontius, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed him and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord, together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. But when Galea was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal, saying, This man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Galeo said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or a vicious crime, O Jews, I would have reason to accept your complaint. But since it's a matter of questions about words and names and your own laws, see to it yourselves. I refuse to be a judge of these things. And he drove them from the tribunal. And they all seized Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But Galeo paid no attention to any of this. After this, Paul stayed many days longer and then took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria and with him Priscilla and Aquila. At Centrea he cut his hair cut, for he was under a vow. And they came to Ephesus, and he left them there. But he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer period, he declined. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. When he had landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and went down to Antioch. After spending some time there, he departed and went from one place to the next through the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He'd been instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. For today's nugget of truth, I want us to focus in here on this situation where Paul is drugged before the tribunal or the judgment seat as he's staying here in Corinth. And when we look back at the previous verses, especially verses 9 and 10, we see that he's told to not be afraid about what's going to take place. But what I want us to focus in on is really what I see here in Paul in the situation I read about in some other places in terms of the attitude that he has when these things are going on. Because we're going to see, and this is not always the case with Paul when he's brought before people, but this is one situation where Paul is able to continue to do what he was doing with really minimal effort taken on his own account to allow for his freedom. These individuals don't punish him. These individuals aren't able to do what they're trying to do because God extends favor to him. We're not going to always see that in terms of his quick and easy release without um, beatings or uh, imprisonments or other things like that. But here we see he's let go 
And he really doesn't take the punishment. Instead, that goes to Sosthenes, who's beaten by these individuals who have brought him before the council. And so when we look at that, what I want us to think about is here Paul's mindset of making the most of every opportunity he has for the gospel. And I see really two verses and other passages that really came to the forefront of my mind as I was reading through this and contemplating how I know the different things that are going to be happening to Paul are coming. But at this point in time, they're not there in terms of the intense pursuit persecution that he's receiving, or even the future imprisonments that he's going to have. But I see this mindset in Paul that I see him write about in some of his other letters. So I see in Ephesians where it says in Ephesians 5, 15, and 16, it says, look carefully then how you walk, not as the unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. He knows that he's called to make the best use of the time that God is giving him in this situation. Obviously, when we look at the rest of his ministry to this area in Corinth, it's not an easy ministry for him. In fact, it's very painful at times for him. We have many letters that we look at in terms of we have two of them that we still have, but we know he wrote another two letters about what's going on in the situations in Corinth. And so this is a very difficult situation for him. But this one year and six months that he stays with these people is his third longest time staying in a place next to Roman Ephesus. So he's investing in these people. He's doing what he can to help the cause of the gospel in this strategic strategic city to expand. But we also have other verses that are important for us to think about in this. When we look in Philippians, and we often come to Philippians, and I believe that a lot of times people misinterpret what's happening in Philippians, especially in these verses that we're going to look at. As we look here in Philippians 4, it says, "...not that I'm speaking of being in need." For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. I know in every circumstance I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and needs. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. When I read that passage and when that passage comes to my mind as I'm reading through this, I see Paul in a situation where he has abundance and he has everything that he needs. And he is optimizing his performance in the gospel. And what do I mean by that is I mean that he is... Is making truly the most of every opportunity that his freedom has given him and every opportunity that he has to be sharing the gospel with both the Jews and the Gentiles boldly in every place that he goes. And he is so intensely focused on that that nothing is deterring him from that. There's going to come a season where he's not able to do that, and he's going to have to revitalize his ministry strategy and to see how God is going to allow him to continue to minister at such a high level to all of these people that he's trying to reach for the gospel. But at this point, he's boots on the ground, sharing the gospel in the synagogues, day and night, going to each place, understanding that his time is limited for doing those things. And it's something that's very convicting to me. Do I understand the limited time that I have to share the gospel with the people that God has placed in my life? Whether it be students who come into my ministry, neighbors, different people that I work with, I only have a window of opportunity to share with them before God either moves me along or moves them along to other places or other situations. And so I see him doing this. I see him making most of this season when things are good, when things are easy. He could very easily just step back and say, hey, I'm just going to take a break for a little bit. I'm just going to 
reflect on what's taken place. I'm just going to enjoy the fact that there's no persecution right now. And he could really, in one sense, you know, pull his foot off the accelerator of what he's doing in his ministry. But it says, he says, no, hey, I'm going to make the most of this opportunity. I don't know how long it's going to last. I'm going to consistently be giving of myself to others around us. And it's my prayer that that is the mindset that I have is I experience the opportunity to put the gospel on display in other people's lives. And it's my prayer that that's the same thing for you, that as you and many of you have entered a new season in a new school year and a new opportunity to be with the students that you have, students that you may only have in class for this year, teachers that you may only have for this year, different situations that you may only have a given season of time with these people to be a light for the gospel, to be salt, to be truth, to be a hope for these people as the opportunities arise. And to day after day, give yourself to that so that the gospel can be on display in your life. As far as a question for today, there were lots of different questions that popped into my head. In fact, I had many more questions come into my head than different things that I thought I might focus on for our nugget of truth. But when I think about the question for today, I want us to really focus in on the last part of verse 18, where it says, At Centria he had cut his hair, for he was under a vow. What is this talking about? What is this vow that Paul took here? So as we look into it, what we'll see is that this was a form of a Nazarite vow that he would have taken. And so when we look at Nazarite vows throughout the scriptures, there are some individuals, such as John the Baptist or Samson, that have a Nazarite vow for an extended period of time, which for both of those individuals was their entire life, or it was supposed to be at least. When we look at Numbers 6, we see that the Nazarite vow is not necessitated for a person's entire life, but instead that it is an opportunity for them to separate from things to display their devotion to the Lord. And so that's what Paul has done here. And so the end of his Nazarite vow has come up. He's supposed to present himself to the Lord. In number six, they would have gone to the tent of meeting. In Paul's day, they would go to the temple to produce the sacrifice that would display the end of that time that they had set apart to be fully and wholly devoted to the Lord. Possibly because of the significance of the difficulty that he's been having in this ministry to the Corinthians, he took this vow on to display to the Lord the seriousness of his service at this time. Maybe that was your question. Maybe your question was about another one of the individuals or the places that we read about here or about something uh, theological that's going on in this passage. So either way, whatever that question is, we're hoping that you're studying God's word and finding answers to that, that you don't let that question go unanswered, but instead either use the tools in your life or use the collective community of believers that you're studying God's word with to be able to help you to answer those questions so that you can see in a greater way the way in which the Lord is preparing you to do his will each day in your life. Know you are loved. You're-